to Dads and Dadless podcast with me, your host, Rish. This podcast is to raise awareness around the social stigma of the word man up. Research has shown men are less likely to seek help for trauma, abuse, neglect, addictions, and mental illness because they will be perceived as weak. Research had directly or indirectly linked these problems to the social and cultural perceptions of the word man up. It's time to start a conversation and redefine this word man up. Each week, you will be hearing from men and women all around the world who survived emotional abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, and addictions, and how they came out on the other side with triumph to begin a new chapter. You will also hear from experts and coaches all around the globe on matters like brain health, psychology of men and women, holistic healing, fitness, and last but not least, what it takes to be a man, overcoming the social stigma and expectations, and tap into your individual unique authenticity and vulnerability. Thank you for joining me in this mission to serve men around the world and letting them know they are not alone in this. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Dads and Deadlifts podcast with me, your host, Rish. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tangled Mind podcast. This podcast is about people who have suffered and are currently suffering from mental health and the long-term effects of that on their friends and family members. Michael Bailey Brown is a very good friend of mine from Nottingham, UK. He walks you through his life and people all around the world suffering from issues like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, and other serious medical illness. Head on over there and give it a listen. Now back to the show. Without further delay, let us welcome today's guest, Kimberly. Good evening. Hello. 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 <laughs> How are so good you? to be here. Okay. So what's your story? Tell the audience who is Kimberly. And I still have, I still don't know your last name. So it says Kate <laughs> Lovejoy. So that's how I know you. So it's Lovejoy. It's Kimberly Lovejoy. And my friends call me KP because I have, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I got that nickname, but I grew up in a very broken home. And so I, like the day I was born, I am told that my grandmother labeled me as the devil's child. So my identity from birth was a bunch of brokenness. And so I, I grew up, I mean, if you listed every common ailment, domestic violence, human trafficking, sexual abuse, pornography, homelessness, addiction, if you listed everything, like I've, I've experienced it. I, so when I grew up, I kind of went on this journey to find out like, who am I? And what is this root cause of the brokenness that we see in humanity of why we hurt ourselves? why we hurt others and this lifelong quest of really understanding like what is the core of our identity and so I created my business Lovejoy CO out of this quest to really redeem the lies that we believe about our worth and about the worth of humanity and so how do we treat ourselves how do we treat each other so I take people on a journey from brokenness to breakthrough and really replacing the lies that we believe with the truth 
of who we are and our worth and our purpose and, and our all of the goodness that comes out of humanity. So that's my story. And that's just kind of the little Cliff's Notes version of my, my background. It's, it's amazing. And guys, this video would be definitely on my website and on YouTube. But if people who cannot see Kim right now, the fact that you told your story and uh, the brokenness, the, the amount of pain you felt and smiling like this. I mean, that tells me that your soul is shining. I could see it. Like, it's amazing how when you work on yourself through the brokenness and you actually can find a meaning and purpose and come out on the other side and your smile shows that. I had seen so many people, I've interviewed so many people so far and every one of them, I saw similar smile, you know? And that's how I know that everyone I'm bringing and talking on this podcast and everyone who's sharing their stories, it's such a blessing to know that how at one point, and for you since birth, as you said, went through this and you still smiling. And that just shows me the journey that you have been through and how successful you had been in finding your true self. You could have been completely on the other side, raged and outraged. And, and that's what they say. Like, it's like, it's, it's about how you look at things, you know, and amazing. So I, I do want to say that to you first. Like, that's my only observation. Like I'm, I'm blown away by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rich. I mean, I'll tell you, it was, it was up and down. So there wasn't, mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like one Absolutely. day I just arrived right. and everything's yep. beautiful. So this is, this is kind of my journey is you know, when we are honest and open about our weaknesses and our brokenness and we're transparent and vulnerable and authentic, mm -hmm. this is where we invite connection to other people. And this is where other people say, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. Yes. And now I see this camaraderie in this community where we can create a connection that says, no, you're not the only one. And I've overcome some things that maybe you've overcome and we can link arms and walk side by side, or maybe one of us is a little bit further along and, you know, maybe we pick the other one up from time to time. Maybe they pick us up, but that's what this battle of life is all about. Right. Oh my God. No, it, it's so true because I always believe we all are work in progress, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm always working. And, uh, you know, as you said, like, there's no experts. If you want to connect with people, that's the human level. Like, we all are work in progress. Yeah, I'm maybe one step ahead of you in terms of because I work but I'm definitely not better than you. I'm here to help. And, and the fact that you just said that. So tell me a little bit about now, I know you have two businesses. Yes. And uh, tell me a little bit about like, uh, how did you get in it? And of course, we will kind of revisit your past and understand like how Kimberly work through it because I want the listeners to know that even if there are people who are going through this, it's a journey. It's a valley and a peak all the time. Yeah. And if the people who are in the valley want them to know it's okay. Oh yeah. I love that because the valley is, I mean, that's the reality of life. Right. There's highs and there's lows and state of steadiness is very unusual. Like there's usually mountaintops and peaks and valleys all along. So yeah. I think that this is where I came to this point of really trying to identify what was going on in my life and how I could take that and transmit it to others in a way that might help them. So when I was, gosh, uh, 14 years old, 14, 15, I was a teenager. I was 
kicked out and I was homeless and I was living on the streets. And I met the night on the 4th of July, I met the man who intended to rape and kill me. And as I was laying face first in the dirt of an alley outside of Denver with this stranger on top of me, this heaviness of a stranger on top of me couldn't compete with this heaviness in my heart of this stirring of what lies had he been told about his worth and what did he believe about his value and how he treated himself and how he treated other people. And I really started to ask myself, like what went wrong? Where was his dad? Where was somebody who believed in him and spoke life and gave him a path to how to treat other people and how to believe in himself? And I really started questioning that and, you know, no education, no training. I was completely broken. And yet in my heart, I knew that there was something that was going to come rise up out of me that would lay a path for how I would develop my business. And so my business came out of that story because that night, I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but thrown up your Hail Mary prayer (laughs) where you're like, God, if you're real, you don't, you don't even know if he's real, but you say, please make this situation stop. And he did. And so that night I knew that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. And I knew that he created each one of us with a plan and a purpose. And so I believe that we have so many voices that speak into our lives all throughout, you know, like me through birth. And we get to choose who are we going to listen to. So this is why I created my business, Lovejoy CEO, was really to start laying a framework for helping people break free from those lies and really look at a very simple three-part framework that says, how do, how do I live my best life? How do I take all the brokenness and live in my overcomer story? So that's kind of my summary of how I came about Lovejoy CEO, which is the business I started last year. So... Wow. I didn't know about this part of the story. I know we talked offline. So you were 14 or 15 years old Mm -hmm. when this incident happened. Yeah. And the fact that you just told me through that incident, all you could think how that man didn't realize his worth and what could have happened if he would have. Wow. I really don't know. I mean, I have to think about how do I want to say this, but Kim, uh, this is is unreal because the fact that I think only thing I could think about, it's much more divine because you're not thinking about your pain. You're thinking about it's a much deeper level, what caused it. And I guess my question to you is, had you always been a thinker like this? Or is it that incident something brought in yourself, in you that made you think? Or I'm just trying to understand, like, it's, it's just because normally when pain happens, even with me, my initial gut reaction would have been, I mean, like 10 months ago would be like, you know, like the anger, like outrage, right? Of course, then there's that actual Rish that knows like, okay, calm down a minute. Let's, <laughs> let's see your part in it. And let's, let's understand why that happened. And basically that's exactly why I'm at this point in my life, because that's exactly the reason I, I started thinking about it. Like, hold on a minute. Like why all this thing happens And then let's talk about this man up and all that, right? So talk to me a little bit about that. Like, had you always been that way? Or is just like that pain helped you like in the moment Mm -hmm. transform yourself? 
Yeah, that's such a great question. And I believe, well, I'm a person of faith. So I believe, like I said, that God has uniquely and wonderfully and beautifully created each man and woman in his image. And I believe that when he does that, he's given us unique gifts and talents and calling and purpose. And we don't often realize it. But if you go back in time to when you were a child, you'll start to see themes and patterns that emerged. You know, like you're an engineer. I bet there were times when you were a little boy where people could go back in time and say, oh yeah, I see it. Because you were tinkering with things, trying to figure things out. And I bet that this DNA that is in each one of us, and it's so uniquely tailored to each one of us, that only you are wired the way that you are. So I feel mm -hmm. like, yes, I knew that even from a very you know small child, even with all the brokenness in my home, I had empathy and I had compassion and I had love. And I knew that this man was broken just like me. He was me. I was him. There was no hatred or animosity or anger or it was just love. And yes, I mean, I was scared. Believe me. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, this is the night I'm going to die. Hence the Hail Mary prayer. But I cried out to God because I felt that, you know, there's got to be more this can't be the way that I die. And mm. so this, you know, duality in your brain of one side of your brain is crying out to God and the other side of your brain is having a conversation with this man who intends to harm you and talking to him about love and grace and say, and I was telling him, you don't want to do this. You're a good man. You don't really want to do this. I didn't know him from Adam, but I believed even then that when you speak life into somebody, they rise to those words. If I tell you you're a good man, you're going to be a good man. Even if you aren't right now, you're going to rise to the level of the expectations of people who surround you. And my guess was that this man didn't have a lot of people speaking life and speaking truth and showing him what his capacity was for being the good man that he was created to be. Because we all have good and evil inside of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, look at what's happening in the world right now. And any one of us could be out there on the streets breaking windows. We choose every day. I am going to abide by the law. I'm going to respect the police. You know, I'm going to honor my father and mother. I'm going to respect my marriage vows. Whatever choices they are, mm -hmm. I'm going to pay my taxes. Like it could be any number of things, but we get to choose every single day. How do we respond to the choices that are presented in front of us? You know, am I going to do the right thing or am I going to do the wrong thing? This was just something that I think rose up in my DNA and I've really worked over the years to identify because th there are times when I say, that is me, I am the bad guy. And there are times when I say like, no, I'm going to pull him up and bring him up to the level of, of his expectation. And before we switch topics, so how did the man react when, when you were going through this? Yeah, he um it was it was really interesting because what I heard in his heart was a longing for connection and a longing for relationship. You know, we could talk a long time about sexual violence and usually it's not about sex. It's usually about the violence, but in this case, I saw something in this man that he wanted that connection because as I was telling him that he didn't really want to do this and that he was a good man, he was telling me, I wish I had a girlfriend like you. Okay, so a man who is intending to rape and kill somebody doesn't talk about, I wish I had a girlfriend like you. 
So I knew in his heart, I knew there was goodness there. And I knew that he didn't want to do that. And so right simultaneously, I'm praying in my head quietly, like, God, please make him stop. And then he did immediately. And that just confirmed to me that he didn't want to do that, that we all have these moments in life where we have a choice in front of us. And sometimes we make the wrong choice. And he caught himself and realized like, this isn't what I want to do. And so he did, he did have that goodness. And, and I do hope someday <laughs> that I cross paths with him and they, you know, give him a big bear hug and tell him I love him because wow. I mean, he was just struggling mm. through life like all of us are. Wow. I'm just blown away. I mean, before this podcast, you know, when we talked offline, when I reached out to you, just talking to you for 20, 30 minutes, and we both talked about it, like we could talk forever on topics and the stuff that life experiences. I mean, now I'm just blown away, Kim, just, just listening to your story and the fact that you used your pain to serve and dig deep and understand. And you could have been like, oh, I'm going to be creating a platform where it'll be from women, you actually chose on both sides. You were, I know you were helping both genders, but the fact that you were also working with men to understand their limiting beliefs and uh, connect with them, it's mind-blowing. I, I have so much respect and I give kudos to you for that. I mean, and the fact that you just said, if I meet him, I'll give him a hug. I'm just, <laughs> wow. I definitely, yeah, I'm blown away. I, I don't have oh. any words. <laughs> Normally I have a lot, lot of things to say, but I, I'm just, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Thank you, Rish. I will tell you this, and, and this is more for your listeners because I already told you this, but I am a huge, huge fan of men. Number one cheerleader. I see an identity crisis in men that's societally, it's not just in America. It's not just in a certain race or a certain age group. It's a pandemic where yeah. men are really, I would say marginalized because I feel like the societal messages, the news media, the sitcoms, the messaging about the value of men is so under attack right now that I really feel like there need to be women who rise up and bring their voices to the equation and say, no, that is not who you are, you know, when you look at whether you're coming from a biblical basis or not, like I am, you look at the value, the intrinsic value and the worth of a man and the way your DNA is created. And you have these amazing gifts and talents and strengths that women don't have. And I wish that there were more people speaking life into men and raising men to the level of the expectation of saying, no, we see goodness in you. And we believe in you and we support you and we want you to be all that you were created to be. I absolutely agree to that. This is not just a American society. This is, this is all because I'm from India and uh, mm -hmm. I can vouch for that. And uh, this is why I'm, I'm interviewing a lot of people all around the world. And this is a global concern, not just American society. Of course, uh, there are areas I know that's specific to American society. I understand that, but we will cover those too. I was doing my research, right? Like that's exactly where all this came about, like this podcast, the book and all that. And the fact that the research is just mind-blowing. And all we are getting is data and a lot of this data. And um, I was talking to someone and um, they have much, they're experts and they, they have much better understanding on these uh, research and statistics data from CDC and NIMH, like National Institute of Mental Health. And they're saying like, yeah, I mean, there's not much enough funding even for uh, men's health. The reason yeah. is, I mean, and rightfully so, because they're seeing 
I'm just going to throw a number out there. If there's 80% women are actually asking for help and reaching out for depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. whatnot, there's like 10% men versus doing that. Like they're not, they yeah. don't even want to go because society have created us saying, oh, if we say we have a problem, we'll be perceived as weakness. That's the, yeah. And I don't want to look like that, right? Like, and that's why they're not even reaching out. And even they're reaching out like me. I'm glad like I have a lot of friends, but initial reaction from some of them have already always been, come on, man up, right? Like, let's go grab a beer or do this. Yeah. And then who do you talk to? Yeah. Right? So now tell me about your work with men and uh, this, this love joy. Yeah, yeah. So I basically go back <laughs> to that foundational, you know, what is the lie that you're believing? And usually it's more than one, but when you talk about identity and purpose, you know, men are created to want to be respected and to be regarded and to be recognized for their contributions in work, particularly, you know, usually when you, when you look at where men are getting their value, it's usually from their world of work. And so if a child, a son has been raised to believe that you're never going to amount to anything, they usually carry that into adulthood Or if, for example, maybe your father was a doctor, every man in your family was a doctor and you want to be an artist, you're going to struggle with this wound deep into the core of your identity of really going back to who am I and what is my worth? And so I love to help men, you know, just come to the, to the realization of who are you and what is your purpose and how do we express, how do we surround you with a community that, you know, like Jim Rohn always said that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. (laughs) And I think that a lot of times the people that we surround ourselves with are not elevating us. This whole idea where you said you, some of your buddies would say like, come on, man up. in not in a loving, supporting way, in a respectful way, but in a way that like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Like you gotta just, you know, walk it off. And that's not helping. And so, so I really help men get to the idea of who are the people that you're allowing to speak into your life and what are the things that they're telling you? Because sometimes we have to cut off the relationships. You know, maybe it is an overbearing mother that is speaking into us about, you know, the kind of woman that we're going to marry or the kind of husband that we're going to be, the kind of father that we're going to be. And sometimes, you know, we have to honor the relationship, but we have to keep a boundary there that says, like, I'm not going to let you tell me these things. I'm not going to let you speak to me that way in front of my wife and my kids. Like, and so, so really starting with the conversations of who is in that community, I mean, in that community and what are the things that they're telling us? You know, um, John Eldridge, one of my favorite authors has this amazing book. He talks about the tournament of narratives. So we all have these stories that play in our head that we, the voices that we listen to. And a lot of times it's lies from childhood that tell us you're never going to win. You're never going to amount to anything they keep us back from the potential that we have. And so that community, the conversations, and then the capacity, I look at like, what are the things that you've overcome in the past? So what is your overcomer story? Usually the key to our success in life is coming from our brokenness. 
So a lot of times our superpower is actually the thing that tried to kill us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so in my case, you know, all the brokenness that I overcame and I looked at like, what did I learn from this? Was it all in vain or is there actually a message that comes out of this mess? Is there redemption that comes out of this brokenness? And how do we help um, other people find that? And so it's really just helping empower, you know, men to find those truths about their worth, about their capacity, about their purpose. And so I just love to come alongside and like I said, be a cheerleader. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I'm going to say like, Hey, I'll be your number one fan and coach you and cheer you on because I want you to win. Cause when you win, guess what? All of humanity wins. <laughs> right. Wow. So you had been doing this for a while. So what, what are you saying? What's your response? Like, what do you see how men react to your coaching? And uh, in, I'm assuming I, I want to know <laughs> the initial reaction, right? I, I know yeah. where it, there's a reason I'm asking the yeah. ni- initial reaction. And once they're in the program, mm. Yeah. Well, so I love this. Um, I talked about John Eldridge a little bit. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart, which is probably one of my favorite books about the heart of man. And it really talks about how men have these three kind of key components that make you tick. And it's that you want an adventure to live. You want a battle to fight and you want a beauty to rescue. And so this idea that when, when we think about this typical man, of course, like you picture the king of the mountain, like it doesn't take a kid, but three or four years old to start learning how to play king of the mountain. You want to be like, you have the battle, you have the beauty to rescue and you have the adventure to live. And then, you know, you grow up, you have these dreams of falling in love and starting a business and making lots of money. And then you get married and you immediately hear your wife telling you to grow up. Mm -hmm. stop being so immature. And it's like, wait, no, that's the key to the heart of a man is that you want this adventure to live. And if somebody's constantly squelching that in you, that's killing the innate creativity and genius potential that is innate in the heart of a man. So I love to help men. And if, you know, if they're single, this is one story. If they're married, it's kind of a different story, but really this idea that a lot of times your superpower is in your sex drive. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I think that a lot of men have been misinformed about the power of the sex drive and how it can really propel you in a great direction in terms of winning with money, in terms of winning in business and relationships. A very bad example is like the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I don't know if you saw that movie. Uh, Yes. Not endorsing the way that he <laughs> treated women, but but he captured that sex drive and he used it to help him win financially and in business. And a lot of you look at like the great men of history, and I'm not talking just I'm talking worldwide. And they figured out a way to take hold of that sex drive and use it in a good way and really inspire and create and ignite this brilliant, this genius that is inside each and every man. But the choice of a marriage partner could absolutely squelch that. And so you have a lot of men that I sadly will say, I've been on the not so great side of being a woman where you know, as a man, you feel as if you've been castrated by your wife. 
Mm-hmm. As you've been like told to grow up, you've been told that you're, it's this struggle that women will always have to try to control their husbands. And mm-hmm. it, it's got to be in check both on the female side and on the male side, because there is this beautiful play of love and respect in a healthy relationship. But when it's a battle for control and it doesn't use the goodness of that coming together in sex and love making, it can be very toxic and it can result in broken homes, broken marriages, broken businesses and everything. So I love to kind of start there and really say, let's speak to the DNA of who you are as a man and look at what that lie that you've believed that probably goes back to childhood Mm -hmm. and really start unpacking. How do we repair that? How do we replace those lies with the truth and really harness the goodness that is all about? Oh, that's that's so much. Oh, wow. (laughs) So before I get into some other topics, I do want to ask you this because you do have the second business, right? Mm -hmm. So that's based on as you said, like sex drive and Mm -hmm. pornography and how it's affecting our young men or men in general. Uh, Let's touch base on it. I know we will talk about that specific one on another episode, but I just want to kind of get an idea about how it's it's amazing how you are kind of like coming from one area, you are actually tying it to the cause of it. Yeah. Well, in, in Love Joy, I look at the whole person. So we look at physically, financially, vocationally, relationally, spiritually, and socially, all of that. And under that physical dimension, we see that a lot of the root causes of our brokenness comes from the lies that we believed about our sexuality. And right now in the world that we live in, regardless of where you are on the planet, pornography's basically hijacked our sexual scripts from childhood on up. And what is healthy sexuality versus what is this automaton kind of like Mm -hmm. scripted scene that we see in pornography. And so say I help do prevention, intervention, and redemption. So helping protect kids from predators lurking online, but also helping men and women boys and girls who are struggling with pornography. So that's my other my other business is really redeeming this beautiful gift of sex because it is the greatest thing that we have for, I'll talk just for one, for stress relief, for physical well-being. Like this is such an amazing opportunity for people to come together. And we've really cheapened it by saying like, no, it's just an exchange of body fluids it doesn't mean anything. And we're missing out on probably one of the greatest gifts that's known to man. And so so this is my heart with this porn-free movement is really to say, how can we take back this gift of sex and have it be all of the goodness and the fun and the play and the you know experimentation and all of the goodness that comes from it without hijacking it so that it goes into degradation and dehumanization and <laughs> things like erectile dysfunction that come out of pornography. So that's a whole different topic. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And that's that's exactly what I want to bring in for our next episode. But I do have one question and we will move to the Lovejoy on the uh, other coaching side. Is people opening up? Are you working with local entities and how, how are people opening up? Or It's such a taboo. I feel like people yeah. do not even open up. And then the other day I, I interviewed someone and uh, you know he's like, you have to acknowledge the problem. Then only you'll be able to solve it. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. And uh, he openly admitted like, yeah, I mean, my, my uh, addiction was porn addiction. 
I basically, that's just my, our body has a specific reaction and it knows how to help me calm down. It's substance abuse. For some, it's alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like mine was porn. So are you getting a lot of, are people, are men, are you seeing a trend that they started opening up that, yes, this is a problem? Or we yeah, have a I think that we do have a long way to go, um, but there are quite a few movements that are male-led that are not even like not even from a morality basis. They're really looking at it from a physicality, specifically looking at brain science mm. and looking at physiology and how pornography has really hijacked the sexual function. So for example, and just to be brief, when you talk about erectile dysfunction, most people that suffer from erectile dysfunction 20 years ago were men that were older, that were suffering, and it had to do with their penis. And now when you see 18 to 30-year-old mm -hmm. men, erectile dysfunction is off the charts. I mean, I think it's gone up like 6,000% since the advent of internet pornography. And so you have men who are in their sexual peak who should have no problem maintaining, you know, getting and maintaining an erection, who are struggling with erectile dysfunction. It has nothing to do with their penis. It's all up here in their brain because mm. their brain physiology, their reward center has been hijacked by pornography. And much like you talked about with people who struggle with drugs and alcohol, it's the same thing. We've conditioned our brains to respond to pornography. And so when you have a beautiful woman in front of you and you want to make love to her, you can't because mm -hmm. your body doesn't know what to do with that. Your body knows how to respond to porn. So it's really interesting when you look at the brain scans um, of men or you know, women or boys and girls who've struggled with pornography and they compare it to somebody who's addicted to heroin and they're very similar and their cognitive function has been hijacked and their brains have neuroplasticity. So they will bounce back if you give them the opportunity, but it's very frightening for a young man to not know what's happening down there when he doesn't mm -hmm. realize right. that it has all to do with what's up here. It's, <laughs> so. Yeah. It's your mindset. It's your, it's your, uh, thinking and what you're believing in. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, that's just a brief, but there's so much research on it. And what I was going to say is that there's a lot of organizations that are male led that are talking and creating a community for guys to talk to other guys about like, what's going on. I'm, I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's happening to me. And, and so there's this community that's coming together to support other guys and say, don't worry. It'll come back. Like, don't worry. Like, here's mm -hmm. what you need to do. And they, and it's beautiful to see men coming alongside other men and saying like, Hey, we, we got to stop looking at porn. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah, definitely. We'll continue this conversation on specific on this topic on your yeah. uh, other episode that I told you about. Yeah. So let's get back to your love joy. Like you said that when you kind of, you, you understand their brokenness and you really mm -hmm. take a deep dive about belief system from childhood and mm -hmm. how it manifested to who they are. Right. And this is not that I'm asking you to give me a number. I'm just kind of curious to understand the statistic, the data that's what's your ratio between men and women that comes to you for hmm. working? I'm oh, assuming okay. men is still lower or are you seeing slowly going up over the years? Like, Well, because I worked with the Department of Defense and Veterans Administration a lot, I do oh, okay. have a lot more connections with men. I would say it's probably not 50-50, but I definitely think I have more success 
connecting with men just because I have a tendency to understand a little bit more just because of my mm-hmm. something like 20 years professional experience. And then most of that was with the DOD or the VA. And so this, in this idea of just getting to the heart of man and really understanding that like a lot of this, women are part of the problem. So I take ownership for women creating a lot of the problem with man and masculinity because I feel like you go back to the women's movement and how women started telling men to act, you know, we want you to be in touch with your feminine side, but we also want you to protect us when there's a spider in the house. Like, okay, what do you want? We want you to, we want you to wear, you know, more metrosexual clothes, but we also want you to protect us when a bad guy tries to break in the house. Okay. So this identity crisis that men are struggling with, women have done a lot to create that. And, and especially in the marriage relationship, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but when, you know, you go back to the garden of Eden and when women were constantly struggling to take control back from their husbands and this idea that, you know, it's constantly going to be a battle. And instead of coming together and recognizing it in a way that respects the man and honors him as the head of the household, it's always this fight for control. And I want the power and I want to be in charge and I want to wear the pants in the family. Mm -hmm. And so I think women have done a lot to really create this sense where men, you know, if men express anger, which typically is the only emotion that men really understand how to express because they've been told from a little boy, don't cry, you know, don't show your emotions. The only emotion Mm -hmm. that most men are really able to show is anger. And then, you know, you get married and your wife tells you it's not okay to be angry. So you're like, I don't know what to do. And so, so this whole thing goes back to, you know, let's, let's find out what the root is and let's try to like we would with, you know, some good weed killer. We can't just pull it out. We got to get that root. Um, And we really got to figure out how do we place that root with the truth of who you are and what your worth is and what your strengths are and really build your strengths up. This is so, so such a good point because I do believe in it because I feel that it's also comes from on both sides, uh, what I felt through my journey and, uh, you know, through my overall understanding, me going through an abusive relationship and uh, understanding that even if the other person is 97% wrong and I have 3%, I'm going to still work on me or vice versa. But I feel like also... Tell me if I'm wrong, and that's another thing I want to ask you. Is it because women are doing this? It's also because that's the society, that's the platform. I mean, we are all in this together. It's not mm-hmm. like a separate thing. They they grew up seeing their dads, their uncles, their yeah. male role models being that way, and their expectation yeah. from their partners is kind of based on that. But nowadays, the generations have changed. Back in the day, men would be very content, would be like, okay, come home, you got dinner, I'm going to take care of the money, (laughs) don't worry about it, and basically, rest is up to you. Nowadays, men have changed, like, you know, Mm -hmm. generations have changed, like, men have, there's a research study, like, men are more, 50% men are now heavily engaged about being a dad, and change diapers Mm -hmm. and cook and do stuff for household chores. So do you think is that gap is also coming because of that? Even the women are, they're struggling too in that way? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think it goes back to, you know, this whole idea of how society has changed. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at how many families grow up in single parent homes. And so if you grew up without a father in your home, it's going to be really tough for you to learn how to be a man, how to be a dad. I remember a particular example I'm trying to remember when this was, but one year Hallmark did a, I forget what the initiative was called, but it was basically like reaching out to people who were incarcerated and asking them if they wanted to send a free card to their mothers on Mother's Day. And of course it just went crazy. Everybody wanted to do it. And Hallmark was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. We should do the same thing on Father's Day. Well, if you know anything about trends of people who are incarcerated, many of them grew up without a father in their home. So they found that not very many people wanted to send a card to their fathers on Father's Day. So men are growing up without fathers. Daughters are growing up without dads. And so this whole identity crisis is coming back to what I would say is the breakdown of the family. Mm -hmm. Because we've kind of said oh no, it's good for you to stay on welfare and never get married because the more kids you have, the more money the government's going to give you. And if you get married, we're going to take that money away from you. Right. And so this breakdown of the family is basically saying, dads are irrelevant. We don't need you. And so when men are trying to figure out where they fit in this world, this is one of the main reasons that I think so many men are struggling with thoughts of suicide now because... Mm-hmm. The world is telling you that we don't need you. Um, And I talked a little bit earlier about media and messaging that comes out through sitcoms and through TV shows. And you look at the traditional male role model on a TV show, particularly on sitcoms like The Simpsons, Family Guy, American Dad, like these, they're kind of mocked and they're kind of made fun of and it's insulting. And so, so men are like, well... I guess you either just laugh at it or you kind of just assume the identity. And so I think when you ask the question, I think it has a lot to do with not just the individual, but this idea that we don't live in a vacuum. You know, I, as an individual, I have relationships. We kind of talked about the voices that are speaking into my life. Mm -hmm. And so the relationships, this, the communities that I live in. So maybe it's my school. Maybe I'm a member of a gang. Maybe I, you know, I'm growing up in a low socioeconomic environment where, you know, the family is kind of broken down anyway. Or maybe I live in an impoverished part of town where families are just kind of not really seen as as relevant. And so it's kind of like we're getting these messages from the individual level, from the relationship level, them from the community and then from the society level that are all telling me what it means to be a man. And when I start to struggle with like, what is my purpose? And I don't even believe that the world wants me to have a purpose. Then I start to feel a hopelessness. I start to feel that I don't have a sense of belonging. I don't connect. And then I start to wonder like, should I even wake up tomorrow morning? Mm-hmm. And then I start looking at capacity for death. And so this is kind of bigger than the one individual. It's now come to an epidemic level on society where we see the rates of, of men struggling with suicide are just skyrocketing um, yeah. because there is this crisis in who you are and your identity and your worth. 
No, it, it's threatening. It's it's really um, it's terrifying to uh, not threatening. It's terrifying. Uh, like I was doing the research, and it said I don't know whether I just told you. It's like seventy percent of all suicides are men. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. what? And the fact that I even thought about it, and I'm I'm being very honest and open about it. I have no mm-hmm. shyness because I am now. I embrace who I am at this point. So yeah. I, I'm not gonna go back to who I was. Like holding myself back and given my willpower given the actually deep inner person who i was i didn't because i was like yes stop shut up you're not gonna do it right Mm -hmm. and all of it came about like and and you were right about the purpose because i remember when my son was born even though i was helping every day even though i was getting up and feeding him all he wanted is like, you know, for first six, seven months, all they know is their mother. And rightfully yeah. so. That's just how biologically we are built. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I struggled as a new dad. I was like, so what's my purpose? Like, when mm-hmm. will I get to speak to him? Because yeah. there's, there's no, and then it goes beyond that. Like, okay, I only got only one week, not even that, to spend time with my son. And then I had to get back to work. Mm-hmm. Right? And then mothers, and again, nothing against the mom. I'm just trying to understand it's like, okay, three months, right? Now companies are opening up. Okay, fathers gets like two weeks of mm-hmm. leave uh, for newborn and all that. But I struggled too at that point, right? Like I, I struggled. And uh, for me, it didn't help that we were figuring out how we can do this. And there was a control factor, you know, like both. And mine is what interracial marriage, right? So I grew up in a different culture and she grew mm-hmm. up here. And uh, I think like finally we both started having that issue where it's like, okay, there's a area that we don't agree upon or there's some, mm-hmm. some areas we don't know how to raise a kid. And then it's kind of spiraled down from there. It became more of an emotional abuse and all that uh, for me. And I was telling you offline about that mm-hmm. uh, first time we talked. But the fact that you mentioned that we don't know, I mean, the, the whole thing is created where now you're struggling. If you're in a relationship, you're struggling to find yourself. So either mm-hmm. you have one option is shut up and like yeah. literally, and then the effect of that is addiction because all you want to do is like, okay, this is my life now. Fine yeah. enough. We'll just drink. That's fine. Right. And again, the phrase that happy wife, happy life, it just bugs me because I know I talk to my friends and they would come and they would just complain all night. And I'm like, then why are you in it? Yeah. Life is short. Like, why are you in it? Right. Yeah. And that's why I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. If this is not working, I'm going to walk out. And not to mention there's like infidelity involved and all that. So that's mm-hmm. other crap that happened. But overall, I think you, you literally hit the nail is where you said there's still some confusion. And coming from the fact that you work with men. So my question to you then is, do you see a trend in young men more happening versus like old generation, like younger generation versus old generation? Or wh- what's that age range that you, you are seeing more and more of this? Yeah, I think if you look at the trends, I think it's starting younger and younger. I mean, goodness, look at the um, the rioting that's taking place in America right now. And if you were to take the average age of the person that's out on the street, my guess would be that not a lot of them have had good parental units, particularly fathers who have said, you're better than that. Mm-hmm. breaking the window of the champion sporting goods store so you can get new tennis shoes and new jerseys is not helping 
the cause. to stand up for this man who was murdered right. by a bad cop. And, and I'll tell you this, like, I, I mean, I could go on a, a very long tangent on this one, but this was a choice that one man made and three other men watched take place. This mm-hmm. is not a race thing. This is not a police or bad thing. This is a brokenness in humanity. Mm-hmm. We all have the capacity. And just as I said about the man who intended to rape and kill me, I said, I am him and he is me. And until we start to see each other through that lens of empathy and compassion and say, you know what, maybe I didn't murder somebody, but I've done a lot of really bad things in my life. And until we start to look at each other from that place of compassion and empathy and say, I'm absolutely capable of doing wrong, and I'm absolutely capable of fixing it and making it better, we're not going to fix this. Because Going out and stealing and looting and burning down buildings isn't solving a problem of a murder that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we've got to get back to that heart, the brokenness of the human condition, which says until we figure out, like, what am looking in the mirror and saying, what is my part? Like you so beautifully asked yourself, like, what do I have to do with this and how can I make this better? Our choices are sitting back and watching it happen. Or we say, all right, I am not going to sit and let this happen on my watch. And I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm going to say, if my son or my daughter is going to go vandalize a building, I'm going to say, you're better than that. Like, that's not who we are. That's not in your DNA. And just like I did with that man who who wanted to harm me that night, I'm going to say, you're a good man and this isn't what you want to do. And so then we start to be part of the solution mm-hmm. instead of part of the problem. And then we revive, we speak life back into men and we say like, you're better than that. And I believe the goodness in you and I see the goodness in you. And until you start seeing it in yourself, I'm going to be here to walk alongside you and link arms with you and cheer you on because the cost, the casualties of suicide the casualties of broken families, of all of the addictions and all of the numbing that we try to do, it's not working. So we've got to really dig deeper and (laughs) find what's wrong with the heart of humanity. Right. Wow. No, I agree. I agree because, you know, I mean, I think all of our hearts are numb at this point. I mean, I I wrote a post the other day on my page and uh, it's a problem. Uh, We have to acknowledge that then only we'll be able to solve it. And then we also have to go to our heart space. We have to, there's no other way to solve it. You have to ask yourself deep down the questions that there are some point of time subconsciously or consciously we did something like that. It's just not probably to this proportion. Mm-hmm. So yes, protest has their rights and all that. But yeah. the fact that I also agree with you, like the looting and all that, like vandalism, it's not really helping the cause. It's actually taking away from it, from a person that died and murdered mm-hmm. unjustifiably. So Kim, I think this is what happens. And I told you already <laughs> with you, I have so much to ask. I was like, but I'm going to keep us still uh, within our time frame. But definitely you are coming back for a uh, second episode, because as I said, mm-hmm. we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> and we'll definitely take it a little bit more further on your coaching on sexuality and uh, mm-hmm. the work that you were working on regarding uh, pawn free movement and all that. Yeah. I definitely want to have that. Okay. So tell me a little bit about like, uh, I know we kind of talked about you want to give away something 
for the listeners that right now in this unprecedented time of COVID-19 and Mm -hmm. all these things that's going on around the world, some free tools that my listeners can use are just, you know, so tell me like, uh, what is it? And guys, what I'm going to do is there will be a link to my podcast and you guys can actually go and click on it and get this for free. And also I'll link it to my Facebook and Instagram page and on YouTube channel, of course, where uh, this video would be. Yeah. Well, let me say this. I was just thinking in the best tool that I think I could give is basically what I call a resilience tracker. And it's really looking at these areas of your life that I work in, your vocation, your finances, spiritually, mentally, physically, and relationally, and really assessing. Like it's just a tracker that says like on a scale of one to 10, where are you in each of these areas? And then asking some probing questions about like, Where do you see yourself in the next, like if you put a goal on yourself, where would you like to be in the next year? And then what's one thing you can do today to get you to achieve that goal? Because we know that a lot of times if we don't have a goal set for ourselves, it's never going to happen. So it's just a simple resilience tracker that looks at those different areas and says, okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. And then kind of get you on that roadmap to how do you win with that overcomer story of getting out of that rut and really breaking through. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And you also have a kid's book, right? I do. I do. And that's more for the porn free because it's really helping protect kids. Um, You know, the average age of exposure to pornography now is between 8 and 11 years old, depending on what age or what study you look at. And I know with my own story, I was exposed to pornography at 8 years old. And we can talk off next time about how that changed me. But we know that parents aren't talking to their kids about sex until they're usually in their teenage years, let alone pornography. And so if you're a little five, six, seven, eight-year-old boy or girl, and you're playing on your phone, you're playing on your tablet, Mm -hmm. you're playing a video game, you're watching a cartoon, and predators and pedophiles know that kids are vulnerable and they're trying to, you know, lure them into things like human trafficking. And so this is just a very simple conversation about how to talk to your four to seven-year-olds about dangers lurking online. So it's called Be Careful Little Eyes. (laughs) Okay, we'll definitely talk about that on that other episode. So then my... Next thing, uh, to end the show, I ask a surprise question to every guest. Uh, So for you, I have a question. Uh, What is one word you can use to describe your mission? Possible. It is all things are possible because I just, I truly believe that when we look at the roadblocks and the obstacles in our lives, we're going to stay stuck. But when we look at the possibility there is nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that you can't overcome. And I really truly do believe that the broken pieces of our lives are the key to finding our superpower and really living in that overcomer story. So possible. It is possible. (laughs) It is possible. Amazing answer. And I will ask you your question. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live and why? Oh, goodness. I have lived in so many cool places, but Colorado Springs is always going to be my home. This is, this is my happy place. I am right at the foot of Pikes Peak and 
garden of the gods and I have a horse stable right across the street that they do trail rides every day. And I love the weather here. I love, I'm a Colorado girl. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Awesome. So what I do, Kim, I'm an avid reader and this books basically saved my life, you know, throughout my journey. And uh, every episode I pick a book uh, based on who is coming on the show and I try my best to kind of capture the theme to end the show. So for this one, I chose one of my favorite books that I'm actually reading right now, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, I've heard of it. Yes. And the other day she commented on my post on Instagram and I was like fanboying at that point. I was like, <laughs> oh my awesome. God, she commented. <laughs> but talking about what we just shared, I'm going to talk about this chapter in her book called Boys, where she talks about how boys are also kind of caged in this society. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read a quick passage from that. A 15-year-old school shooter who killed three classmates, one of whom was a girl who had rejected his advances. Members of a lacrosse team had been charged with gang rape. A college boy had been killed in a hazing incident. A middle school gay boy had hung himself because of bullying at school. A 35-year-old decorated veteran had just succumbed to PTSD. I stared open-mouthed at the TV and thought, oh my God, this is what it looks like for boys to try to comply with our culture's direction. They're not allowed to be whole either. Boys are in cages too. Boys who believe that real men are all powerful will cheat and lie and steal to claim and keep power. Boys who believe that girls exist to validate them will take a woman's rejection as a personal affront to their masculinity. Boys who believe that open, vulnerable connection between men is shameful will violently hate gay boys. Boys who believe men don't cry will become men who rage. Boys who learn that pain is weakness will die before they ask for help. Everything that makes a boy human is a real man's dirty secret. Wow, that is powerful. The way she wrote it, and when I was going through that, uh, that just hit me, you know? It's so true. And and with my journey, and I told you offline, you know, when I started, when I decided I'm going to do this, uh, and um, initially I was afraid. Initially I was like, oh, I mean, I hope people are not going to take it as a pro-man platform. Uh, it's really not. It's a four-man platform where we need to start having these discussions more and more. And literally things like that gives me confidence that, okay, yeah, you know, even though I will probably get some resistance from men, in my life, as you said, law of, law of average, right? And you just got to move on. And if you in your heart know that this is the right thing to do and uh, you just do it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you're doing it. It's so needed. Oh, and I, listen, Taylor Swift always said, the haters going to hate, 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 right? You got to shake it <laughs> yes, off. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Kim, thank you for joining me today. And I really appreciate talking to you. I will definitely... I said, bring you on for another episode. But this is it, guys, for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed another episode of Dads and Deadlifts. Let me know in comments what was some of your takeaways from Kim and go sign up for her free challenge. Stay positive, stay strong, and do know you are not alone. Until next episode, signing off. Your host, Rish from Dads and Deadlifts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dads and Deadlifts. And I hope... You are as excited as I am learning from our guest today on the specific topic. Please subscribe, share, and leave a comment and tag Dads and Deadlifts on Instagram and Facebook with your experience of today's episode. Because remember, your one share might save someone from feeling alone and provide them the tools they can incorporate in their daily lives. Let's each of us do our part in helping men around the world. 
you can personally message me on my Facebook page or Instagram page, Dads and Deadlifts. If you want your story to be shared on the podcast, or if you just feel alone and want someone to reach out to, always remember you are not alone. All you got to do is reach out and I am rooting for you. Until next week, your host Rish signing off. I will see you next week with another brand new episode.